Okay. Welcome, everybody. Here we go. We are going to be covering today a couple of items. Really, we are going to get started on Gimel Amad Aleph, which is the conclusion of the section that pretty much began almost with the beginning of the Gemara. So we're on 3a. We're going to have to go back to 2b, to Dav Beis Amad Beis in Masech the Brachos, to remind ourselves of what we're talking about. But to this is going to be an important point. It might seem a little boring from one perspective, but I promise you it's an extremely important point in all of Gemara. Meaning, if you understand these top three lines of the Gemara on Gimel Amud Aleph, you will understand a considerable amount of what all of Gemara, all of Shas, concerns itself with on almost every page. <clears throat> so that's quite the introduction, but I am, I am not exaggerating over here. We have here, since we began the Gemara on, uh, let's see, I'll say Beis Omid Beis, we have been dealing with multiple opinions as to the earliest time to say Shema. Right? That's if, uh, if you could summarize, which I think is an extremely important tool in learning Gemara, to simply say what any given sugya, meaning any given discussion of a Gemara that could last anywhere from a half a page to two or three or four pages, you have to be able to summarize what is going on over here. Well, what's going on is that we are working on the first line of the Mishnah. The first line of the Mishnah asks, from when do we begin saying Shema at night? The Mishnah only offered one answer. The single answer that the Mishnah gave was from the time Kohanim come into Ether Truma. As we saw when we turned the page and we went on to Beis Amad Beis, we learned that this is not by no means the only opinion. In fact, it is one of several opinions. And the Mishnah didn't bother to tell us any of this, but the Gemara on Beis Amad Beis gave us not one, but three brisas that offer different opinions as to the earliest time to say Shema. The first brisa that was listed had telling us a brand new way of looking at it, which is that it had to do with the time that a poor person comes to eat his bread of salt. That was one way of putting it. Then the, there was another brisa that told us that, you, um, that there was a view of Rebbe Meir this second brisa listed two opinions. One Rebbe Meir saying it's the time that people come to eat their bread on Arab Shabbos, meaning Friday evening, with the Chachamim disagreeing and saying it's the time that the Kohanim or Zakoyin are entitled to eat their truma. That was the second brisa. Then the third brisa listed full five opinions. So just to, let's keep track here. The Mishnah listed one opinion. Kohanim. We turned the page onto Beis Amad Beis and we were introduced to another brisa. That first brisa just listed a single opinion. The, that opinion we'll call him the poor man. The Gemara then listed a second brisa. The second brisa had two views in it. 
Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim. Rabbi Meir not saying poor, not saying Kohen, but just saying people on Erev Shabbos, on Friday night. With the second opinion being quoting the Chachamim, which sounds just like our Mishnah. This then led us to the third Brisa. <clears throat> and this third Brisa, on the second half of the page, is what got very busy. Five opinions and a question on one of those five opinions. So clearly that fifth one is the most elaborate of, of all of them. I'm going to right now review that third Brisa, meaning the five opinion Brisa, right now. The Gemara quotes the first line, word on the line is Me'emosai. It's about 15 lines from the bottom of the page, if you want to follow. From when do we begin to say Shema at night? From the time that the day becomes holy on Friday. Right, this is Bezum and Bez, like I said, towards the bottom of the page. In our scroll language, I don't know if it's 2B3 or 2B4, something like that. Shakidish Ambari Shabbos is Divi Revelezer. Revelezer is the first opinion. Then we have Rebishua's view seems to match in the wording the closest to our Mishnah from the time that the Kohanim are purified to eat their Truma. Then we have Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir Omer Meshoshah Kohanim Tovlin Lecho Betrumasam. From the time that they Tovl, from the time that they immerse in the mikvah. Omer Rabbi Huda, which had Rabbi Huda troubled, and he said, Halo Kohanim Ibod Yomheim Tovlin. Kohanim Tovl in the mikvah before it's dark. So how could that possibly be an opinion as to when to say Shema? By the way, important to point out, Rabbi Huda himself does not offer an opinion as to when to say Shema. He just doesn't like Rabbi Meir's opinion. Okay? Then we have Rabbi Hanina. From the time that the poor man eats his bread and salt. And then either Rabbi Achai or Rabbi Acha says, From the time that most people recline. These are the five opinions that we mentioned uh, in last week's class. In fact, online I titled it as Five Opinions. Just to make it clear that this is what we were talking about. <clears throat> now, with all of this information, it might be worth it to remember all of this, but at least we know I just outlined everything. Now let's go and take a look at Daf Gimel Ahmed Aleph. Okay, so here we are, 3A, the very top of the page. And this is all that I want to do today. So even if it doesn't take us long, it itself is a complete story. Kasha de Rebbe Meir ad Rebbe Meir. Rebbe Meir contradicts Rebbe Meir. Right? Now, I don't know if you picked up on this, but the Gemara certainly did. And the, to the Gemara, this matters because it's not just a matter of opinions. We're naming the authors of those opinions. So if you go back to Bezim and Aleph, uh, to Bezim and Bezim, sorry, the previous Amud, you'll notice that the f when we were introduced to our first machlokas about this issue, the language of that brisa was, which is towards the end of the first half of that page. From when do we begin to read Shema at night? 
That Brisa said, Mishosha bnei Adam nichnosen lechopitan ba'arvei Shabbosos, divrei Rebbe Meir. Rebbe Meir is quoted as saying, from the time the people go in to eat their bread on Friday evening. Now, when is that? We have all, can have all sorts of discussions about that, but the point is, that's how he explains his opinion. Friday night Suda. Got it? Well, if you remember that, and then you go back down to the, what I call the five opinions brysa, which is a little further down the page. In the five opinions, Rabbi Meir had said, from the time that the Kohanim, from the time that they immerse in the mikvah, to eat, uh, to eat their truma. Now, are they necessarily arguing with each other? I would suggest at first glance that they are not necessarily arguing with each other. However, what we're going to see, and I want to look at this, is that Rashi explains why they are arguing. Meaning, why the quote by from Rabbi Meir in the first brisa is arguing with the quote of Rabbi Meir in the second brisa. Yes, Ricky. Um, the second one, Kohanim Tavlin. <coughs> the Kohanim Tavlin. We had a whole big discussion on that, and we say, okay, right. it's, it's, it can be very close to sunset, but it's going to be after sunset, before it's, before it's dark, is how we had explained it. So that way, now, the, now you, what you do is also is, do they have an early Shabbos, or are we, or are we not even talking about such possibility? It seems that unlike the modern American summer Shabbos, they're not talking about what we call early Shabbos, meaning that doesn't seem to be part of the equation at all. Or at least right now, let's assume it's not part of the so equation. With Rashi's commentaries, when they were doing it so early in northern France and northern Germany, they never took. So it they, could they be did early, early Minchamarev, but they did regular Shabbos. Regular Shabbos. So, did they have their meal? The question you could ask is, did they have their meal later? Let's take first a look. And then eat later. Right. Just pause it. Okay. So it could be. There, there are a lot of possibilities here, but what I want to introduce you to, because you could imagine, we can imagine all sorts of things. I just want to make it clear, and I think this is the important point. Even if you don't know what any of these terms mean, and you're theorizing based on our own personal Shabbos experiences, one thing you need to know is that the Gemara thinks they're arguing. Right? Meaning that, that to me is what's important here. Meaning I could construe, I could make an argument that maybe they're not arguing. Maybe Romero was just in a different mood, talking to a different audience in terms of how he phrased it. And the first Mishnah was about people eating their Friday night meal. And the second, Bryce, I'm sorry, did I say Mishnah? The first Bryce is talking about their Friday, um, a regular Jews, Friday night meal. And the second one is talking about Kohanim going to the mikvah, which is, as we saw, very late in the day, as we would think about it. <clears throat> but maybe they're the same thing. But the Gemara does not entertain that possibility. And I want to see why. Rashi is going to try to figure out, we'll read the Rashi, how he reads the Gemara, 
that there's no way to say that Remeyer is saying the same thing, but in two different ways. Okay? That's, to me, that's the important point. <clears throat> but let's then go on, because I want to I just finish this Gemara so you understand what's happening here. That's the first line of the Gemara in Gimel Amud Aleph. Then it says, Kasha de Rabbi Eliezer ad Rabbi Eliezer. Meaning the Gemara is going through a certain, what I would call, review of the whole sugya till now, where we have all these opinions that were being explained and saying, wait a second, you just quoted one Bryce after another. Did you think we weren't going to notice that the names don't agree with each other? Meaning Rabbi Meir, <laughs> Rabbi Meir in the first Bryce that doesn't agree with Rabbi Meir in the second Bryce at all. And not only that, how did you, how do you have the chutzpah to quote Rabbi Eliezer? Rabbi Eliezer is actually in our Mishnah. Turn the page, meaning go, go to page one of this whole business. It's quoting Rabbi Eliezer. And that doesn't match the Rabbi Eliezer of the mega brisa over here. Meaning the brisa says from the time that the day becomes holy on Erev Shabbos, which means the beginning of Bein Our Mishnah said that the earliest time is when the Kahanim come home to eat their truma, which is Tzesach So again, there is a uh, disagreement. So the Gemara has two answers for the... Uh, has two answers. Let's go back to the Rebbe Meir. Again, go back to the first line. I just want to read both questions before the Gemara handled it. First, let's start at the very top of Gimel Amud Aleph again. Kasha de Rebbe Meir de Rebbe Meir. The Rebbe Meir of the mid-Brisa contradicts the Rebbe Meir of the bottom-Brisa. So the Gemara's answer there is, Tre Tanoi Aliba de Rebbe Meir, which means there were two Tanoim quoting Rebbe Meir, which itself, from a first of all, I'll just start from a historical perspective, to me is fascinating. Because what this means is that when the Mishnayis were being recorded, whoever you're imagining is writing this Mishnah down, or maybe it wasn't written, but it was recalled and memorized, it's not that Rebbe Meir was in the room stating his opinion, but it was a Talmud of Rebbe Meir who was stating his Rebbe, his rabbi, Rebbe Meir's opinion. And that was the case for the Mishnah, or for the Brisa, and that was then the case for the second Brisa which is, to me, a very interesting turn of events. Because we usually imagine that when a Gemara quotes a rabbi, that it's quoting the rabbi, meaning what we would call nowadays, journalistically, a direct quote, or a first-hand quote. And what the Gemara is revealing to us over here is that it's not a first-hand quote, <clears throat> at least not always. And if not always, then who says ever? To give you a sense of the years that we're talking about over here, Rabbi Meir lived in approximately what I would call, he was active as a rabbi in the mid-100s. You want to say the year like 140, 150, 160, thereabouts. Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, who is editing the Mishnayis, is closer to the year 200, a little before 200 based on all the estimates we have from different works, but closer to 200 than to 150. And according to a Gemara, 
which I just heard reviewed recently in the share I was listening to, Rebbe never actually met Rebbe Meir. In fact, there's a Gemara that says that he once saw the back of Rebbe Meir's head and he attributed his, 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 his scholarship or his, his accomplishments to having once seen the back of Rebbe Meir's head. Rebbe Meir was an old rabbi by that time and according to a more developed version of that story, he didn't even see Rebbe Meir in a positive context. Rebbe Meir at the time was in a fascinating story which maybe we'll tell in, a, in another shear sometime. Rebbe Meir did not get along with Rebbe's father and grandfather. Meaning they didn't, they were not, they weren't friends, I don't want to say they weren't friends, but they were part of two schools, two separate chains of transmission from Hillel. Meaning Rebbe Meir was a Talmud of Rebbe Akiva, who was a, himself a Talmud of Rebbe Lezer, and Rebbe Yochanan and Zakkai, and Rabbi Shimon Gamliel was not of that. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel was the Talmud of his father, Rabbi Gamliel, who was a Talmud of a, not a Talmud, but a son. So I mentioned this over Shavuos. There were two, one was the family chain, the other one was the Talmidim chain. Rebbe reunited those chains. But at the very least, what we see here is that when he or whoever of his contemporaries were recording these brysas, they were not hearing Rebbe Meir's opinion from Rebbe Meir's mouth. They were hearing it from other people. So that itself is one thing. We're gonna, I'm going to explore that more in a moment when we go into Rashi. I want to cover the next part because this is a much easier part over here. The Rebbe Eliezer business. Kasha de Rebbe Eliezer ad Rebbe Eliezer. So the Gemara answers, Trey Tanai Aliba de Rebbe Eliezer. Okay, same thing. Rabbi Eliezer is not being quoted directly, he's being quoted by two Talmidim. The second answer I'll tell you is far more satisfying, at least to me, it's more satisfying. But I want to explore why it's not fully satisfying. But first, let's see what the Gemara answers. Aleph, Beis Aleph, you see that in the Gemara? That means vi bayis ema, which means, if you want, say this. What that means, and this is a very important thing when learning Gemara, is that I'll give you another equally valid answer. And I mean that, equally valid. The answer is no better than the first answer, but also no worse than the first answer. Potato, potato. Here are two equally valid answers. The first valid answer is that it is the two Talmidim speaking in the name of Rabbi Eliezer. And the second answer is that it is it is what? It is this. Reisha lav Rabbi Eliezer. The opening line of the Gemara is not the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer. So if you didn't know what that means right away, turn the page back. It makes perfect sense. In fact, this is one of the things I've tried to do while learning, and they do this in many yeshivas. It makes so much sense that I am losing sleep over the fact that it is not the only answer. Because the first one is what we call a stretch. Meaning, when we have a brisa and it quotes a rabbi, I have enough trust in the system to, that that's the rabbi. Don't tell me someone misquoted him. I'm very uncomfortable with that. Tell me, especially, you have to understand, these are not some guys who are in a shear. 
you know, some balabas who might have been there and fell asleep. These are people whose whole life is devoted to being ma'atike hashemua, properly and accurately recording what it is that they heard from their rebbeim, who are the previous links in the chain of the Masorah, and they themselves are meant to be accurate and loyal recorders of those links in the chain. For the Gemara to even suggest that we're talking about, oh yeah, maybe he messed it up, or maybe he got confused, or he quoted his Rebbe, and the other one also quoted his Rebbe, but they were incorrect, is something that is very unsatisfying. It's what we call in halacha a last resort, very much a last resort. So let's go back to the Mishnah so you can see it, okay? It's, it pays. Sometimes you take it for granted. I don't want to take it for granted. Let's actually look back at the Mishnah to fully appreciate the point. Right? You can see it. The Mishnah said, From when do we recite the Shema at night? From the time that the Kohanim enter to eat their Truma. Ad period. That's the answer to the question. The question is, from when? Remember I said this when we first learned this Mishnah. The, Gemara does, the Mishnah does not say, when do we say Shema at night? The Mishnah says, from when? Which is similar to the Bryce's version of, when do we begin to say the Shema? Meaning it's the beginning time. However, as we saw originally when we learned this Mishnah, the Mishnah does not come to a full stop and then say, the Amosai Misaimin, you know, to use a, like, when do we conclude to say, Kriyashma shall Arvin? Doesn't say that. Instead, it just jumps right in to the end time, right? If I were to ask you, what time is Mincha? Like, you want to go to a shul. What time is Mincha? You're not asking me, what time does Mincha end? You, you're asking me, what time does Mincha start? So the Mishnah said, from what time do we begin to say Shema? So now, let's read what the Gemara is now claiming is this Mishnah being reread according to the second opinion. I'll start over for everyone. May Masai Kornes Shema Ba'arvin. From when do we begin to say Shema at night? Answer, Mishasha HaKohanim Nichnasen Lechel Bitrumasan. From the time that the Kohanim enter their homes to eat their truma. Period. End of sugya. End of discussion. Now the everybody, we're about to start the second shear right now. The second shear is called, when do we conclude? When does man kriyashma arvis end? We now resume the Mishnah. Ad sof hashmura harishona divrei rabbi Eliezer. Until the end of the first watch. These are the words of Rabbi Eliezer. Notice the Chachamim are not commenting on the time to begin. They are now only arguing with Rabbi Eliezer by saying it's until midnight. And then Rabbi Gamliel also is continuing on the second question. Until the beams of the morning, you know, come up. Dawn. So we have here what seems to be very clear, this is the text of the Mishnah. And you can see how Rabbi Eliezer is a distinct opinion over here. Okay? Now, let's go back to the Gemara. The Gemara said, 
Kasha the Rebbe Lezer, the Rebbe Lezer. Rebbe Lezer is contradicting himself because the Mishnah's Rebbe Eliezer, according to the question now, is that Zman Kriyashma is at the time that we later established he clearly means Tzesa However, when you look at the Mega Baraisa, there it says Shekidish Hayom Barishabasos, that means the beginning of Veinashmashos which in last week's class we discussed has a lot of debate about when that is, but the point is it's clearly not the beginning of Veneshmashos is, according to Rashi, 9 or 12 minutes or 13 minutes or 18 minutes before the stars come out. So there's no way of saying that these two opinions agree with one another. So the Gemara's first answer was, Again, it is not Rabbi Lezer who is stating these things for our Mishnah or Brisa recorder, but it is some Talmud of Rabbi Eliezer. And the second opinion is that the Mishnah isn't even Rabbi Lezer to begin with. Rabbi Lezer never said that. Let's go back. Rabbi Lezer only started talking according to the Ibayas Ema, according to the second opinion. He only started, he only opened his mouth to say the words, Ad Sofa Ashmura Harishona. Okay? Now, I said that's very satisfying, so why is the Gemara not fully satisfied by it? How do I know the Gemara isn't fully satisfied by it? Because if it was a fully satisfying answer, that would have been the only answer. Because to say that two Talmidim, one of them got it wrong, is, like I said, the most unsatisfying answer the Gemara could possibly offer. Okay. Yes? If this was the answer... If this was the answer... The that it's, there's a break in the Mishnah. Right. This, in some format, this would have been brought up before. There's no before. <laughs> we I just mean, started. I, mean, this, I know. I'm, 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 <coughs> I'm, maybe it's because we've all seen other Gemaras where they've had this type of discussion and they end up, and there'll be a point where they say, you know, the, the period is not where you think it is. You know, so, so, and they mentioned, and they, but they jump on that very quickly. So, here's the thing, and this is, again, an important point, and there's, I was just listening to some shiurim on the study of Mishnayos. And this is a point, I don't know if you'll appreciate this point, I find it interesting, so I'll share it with you. When we read a Mishnah, that has multiple opinions, like our Mishnah. We can appreciate something very often, not always, but we can frequently appreciate that a Mishnah has what I would call at least a couple of layers. What do I mean a layer of a Mishnah? So here's the first level, the first layer of what I mean by that. Let's go back to our first Mishnah. Our first Mishnah has what seems to be a question in halacha with three opinions. Then there seems to be what I call part two of the Mishnah. I'll say our Mishnah actually has three point levels. The second Mishnah is a Misa, a story. Now, was this story part of the Mishnah's original version? I would venture to say, and I feel confident about that, that it was not really part of the original Mishnah. Meaning Rebbe put it into the Mishnah to make his point, to clarify the point. But in the rawest form of just the facts, ma'am, 
that we are used to seeing Mishnayis, that story is somewhat of an elaboration, right? I mean, you can see it. A shir nowadays could easily, you know, have a halacha section, a story section, but in, as far as the text of the Mishnah, here's halacha, and then I have a story. Anyone who's ever learned Mishnayis knows, Mishnayis are really light on storytelling. Right? Mishnayis are known for not telling stories, usually. Usually the stories that we're familiar with, the Agadatha, that's all in the Gemara. Mishnayis is not storytelling time. It's halacha telling time. Then you have a little more of an elaboration that it's not only Shema, but all these other things, like we saw having to do with Karbanos, that we, the, the rabbis might say chatzos, but you really have until dawn. Now I'm going to tell you something else about Mishnayos. And to me, this is, I appreciate it, if anything, just because it offers an explanation for something that I would say has bothered me and bothered people who are careful to notice how the Mishnayos are careful with every single word. I'll show you what I mean. I'm starting the Mishnah over again. From when do we recite or read the Shema at night? From the time the Kohanim come to eat their Truma at Rishona until the end of the first watch, the rabbis say, Ad Chatzos. Can anyone see a difference between how those three opinions are being introduced to us? Not the substance of the opinion, but the form of how, the wording of how these three rabbis, well, two rabbis and a group of rabbis, are giving us this information. And I'll tell you, many people will miss this because they're just so used to it, they don't even think about it. But I think it's something that is worth thinking about. I'll tell you, I'll give it away if you don't see it already. I'll read the Mishnah to you. There's no Omer, but I'll show you what that means. I'll read you the Mishnah the way I, maybe I would have written it. If somebody had asked me, said, Rabbi Davidovich, listen, there are three opinions regarding when to stop saying Shema. We would like you to, to write a text that explains that there are three opinions. Go at it. I, this is how I would have written it. From when we begin to say until when? Rabbi Eliezer says, until the end of the first watch. The rabbis say, Ad Chatzos. I would have introduced all three opinions, Omer, Omer, Omer. Why is the Mishnah have us telling the first opinion, Divrei Rebbe Eliezer? Ad Sof Divrei Rebbe Eliezer. What do you mean, Divrei Rebbe Eliezer? You might say, well, who cares? I'll show you the difference, why it makes, why it's a big deal. Because what we have here is, and this is something that was very common 
during this era of Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Yudanasi, all of these rabbis who were involved stating their opinions that made it into the Mishnah. And this goes, God willing, when we get started on that Torah about Peshir that we, we alluded to on Shavuos night, you'll see this point. This is a point that is made by Rav Shri Ragon, who explained a lot of the background of Mishnayas, which is that the Mishnayas that we have now, even as short as each Mishnah is, you can discern when you look at the text of many Mishnayas that the Mishnayas used to be a lot shorter. There was what is known in among people who care to learn these things. There is something called Mishnah Rishona. And then there's something called Mishnah Acharona. What's Mishnah Rishona? It means the first, the earlier version of this Mishnah as it was being transmitted. Mishnah Acharona is when either Rebbe or some of Rebbe's Rebbeim said, you know what? I want to say more about this. There are other opinions. So what I will do is I will take their text, but I'm first going to let everyone know that this text is not the only opinion, and then I will staple on other opinions to that text. So basically, the Mishnah Rishona of this Mishnah is something that went like this. Period. Full stop. Now, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, there's a Gemara that says, he traveled around and he, was, as a scholar, collected what they refer to as 13 formats of teaching Torah Balpeh. If you remember, I had mentioned some of them like mentioning numbers, some of like them saying Mamosai, some of them have a style of either or. There are different styles. Rabbis, everyone knows, rabbis have different styles of teaching, and this certainly applied then. They were counting their words. He went around Eretz Yisrael, or they came to him, and he picked up all of these different styles. This style of Mamosai, and that concludes that was what we would call, we don't call it this anymore, but this is what it was then. This was the Mishnah of Rabbi Eliezer. Meaning, what we now think of as being Mishnayas is the overall total edited work, edited by Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. However, in the century and a half before Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, the various Tamid Chachamim were sharing their ideas in their own wording, in their own format, and each one was known by their group. Rabbi Eliezer was one of those. Rabbi Eliezer taught Mishnayis. His Mishnayis would have been, if, you would, if we would have such a work nowadays, which we don't, except by piecing it together, the Mishnah of Rabbi Eliezer. And then Rabbi took that information and he stapled on the other views. So that he took this Mishnah, which ended with the words, Ad Harishona, he said, that is the original text of a clear Mishnah. But that's only the text of Rabbi Eliezer, Divrei Rabbi Eliezer. Now, Rabbi's saying, let me tell you about some of the other opinions. I'm going to add them 
to the, to the document. Then, and that's these two other opinions, the Chachamim and Rabbi Gamliel. Because otherwise, it doesn't flow at all to say Divri Rabbi Eliezer. The other rabbi who had this happen to frequently is a Divri Rabbi Meir, which is something that you find in many Mishnayos. If you ever go through Mishnayos, and there are many Mishnayos that have a Machlokas Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda, for example, it starts with Divrei Rebbe Meir. Then it says Rebbe Yehuda Omer, da 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 da. Which means, and this is something the Gemara says about Rebbe Meir, that the most fundamental text that Rebbe used to create his work called Mishnah, the base text, right, what do they call that in the soup? When you, the, uh, the stock, the stock of this, right, was Rebbe Meir. Which is why the Gemara says in one place that Stam Mishnah, that the base layer, the stock of Mishnayis, was the phrasing of Rebbe Meir. In our Mishnah, it's clear that it's Rebbe Eliezer. And this is now what the Gemara is saying when it says, well, maybe th this text is not Rebbe Eliezer straight, but a Talmud quoting Rebbe Eliezer. But we have the second answer. The second answer says that it's only the second part that's Rabbi Eliezer. But the Gemara doesn't find that satisfying because of what I'm saying. Why would you say divrei Rabbi Eliezer? It must mean that the entire quote of the Mishnah, not just those last four words, the entire quote of the Mishnah up until that point is Rabbi Eliezer's point of view. So just to close, we haven't even gone to the Rashi yet. I want to take a look at the Rashi. If you can take a look, the top Tosas deals with this as well. The, one of the things that the Gemara desperately wants to do all the time is to have people agree. Meaning, disagreement when necessary. But up until the point of disagreement, we will want to have these rabbis whether Tanoim or Amaroyim, be in as much agreement as possible. Which is really what led us, and I mentioned this point in a previous shir, that so much of what the Gemara was discussing on Bezom and Bez was struggling to make as the opinions match as much as possible. Remember? That's why I had several lines. Well, let's say the Kohen and the poor person it's the same time. Let's say the poor person and the regular person it's the same time. And the Gemara didn't and wanted to suggest that until it was pushed up against a wall and forced to say that these different Barises were in fact disagreeing over here. And that is now what is happening over here, which is why, like I said, last resort, these are the arguments that, uh, that they're making. And how careful they are. Now I'll mention something else, something that's gonna come up in a much later Gemara, a lot of Agatha later, there is a full page of Gemara later on at Daftes, which has the strangest wording. Several statements of all kinds having to do with davening and stories and the constant refrain in those Gemaras that we're going to see later. I'm only giving it away now because I think it sheds light on this piece now. Is Amar Rabbi Yochanan Mishum Rabbi Shimon Ben Yochai. Now, with a little history... 
people realize that Rav Shimbar Yechai, you know he was in the cave, you know he was around during the Bar Kokhba revolts, and he was a Talmud of Rav Akiva who was killed in the Bar Kokhba revolts or soon after the Bar Kokhba revolts. So you know that he is living in the year 140 or so. If you know the stories of Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish, you know that those are two rabbis from the times of the Gemara. They are the ones to whom is attributed the, the work known as Talmud Yerushalmi, which means that they lived in the 300s. So there were full 200 years between Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. So for a Gemara to repeatedly state, Rabbi Yochanan said, Mishum, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, is, is very unusual. Now, it's not so unusual nowadays because I could easily say, or any of you could give a Dvar Torah, and I would say in the Dvar Torah, yes, Mike quoted the Vilna Gon who said this. And I would say, did he hear it straight from the Vilna Gon's mouth? I would say, I don't think so. Some people might say he's old, but he's not that old. You know, so he didn't hear from the Vilna Gon in the 1790s. So what's going on over here? So what you have here is that sometimes you can have a rabbi in the Gemara or from that era, who is being quoted, and it's not a direct quote. Not only is it not a direct quote, it could be it's even an inference from something that was said earlier. So that sometimes the Gemara will say, and the Gemara later in Brachos will say this, did he hear it directly, or did he just infer it from something else that he said? So we don't know how much is inferred directly, meaning on a regular quote over here. But one thing that you do see is the Gemara cared very much about this. Because if you want to be authentic and you want people to understand the Gemara is authentic, then you have to show that you're not just throwing names willy-nilly, that the names and the opinions uh, make sense as much as they can. Even though Gemaras in general don't seem to be super concerned about Jewish history per se, but they want the Jewish history to work out and to match up very much. Which is why I think, and I try to introduce this whenever I give a Gemara Shir or Shir and Mishnayis, to give you a sense of who some of these rabbis were and when they lived, because it very well might impact how we paskin. Because if, if you have it in the wrong time period, or the, you're, you're going to misunderstand uh, something that the Gemara is saying. So here what I want to show is just with this little word, Divrei Rebbe Eliezer, we received this entire insight on how it is that Mishnayos were, uh, were composed or were edited to begin with. All right, that is the end of this year. Yes.